Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland, and it is finally time, folks. The regular season is here. After spring training, a very slow offseason, we are here. The Cubs should have a very good team this year, and it is time to preview this upcoming season. I have two guests on for my season preview, uh, Corey Friedman from Cubs Insider and Mike Banghart, Dubinsky to some of you, from Cubs Den. And basically, I just ask him about, you know, everything that's going to, the hitting, the pitching, everything, how they feel about the team coming up. Uh, quick note, I did bring up the final bullpen spot. It was announced today that Eddie Butler is getting the eighth and final spot, which is pretty much what we expected. And we talk a little bit about Butler in both interviews, so... We didn't know the answer when I recorded him, but now we do. So Butler is the final guy. Um, Anyway, let's begin. First is Corey Friedman, co-host of the Cubs-related podcast with Brandon Miller, who I had on before. And we uh, talk about a lot of stuff, especially Wilson Contreras. So here he is. Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yep. So I guess we'll get started on this. Uh, season starts Thursday, so about five days from when we're talking right now. Four days. Um, so what are your thoughts on the Cubs going into the season? Well, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I think that after a, a very interesting 2017 that was you know sort of up and down with them being under 500 in the first half but ultimately really kicking it into gear in that second half giving us an exciting win over Washington in the NLDS ultimately to fall short to the Dodgers in the NLCS you know I think there's a lot to be excited about some some obviously key offseason acquisitions and you know I know it sounds a little bit like a storyline or a narrative but we're hearing an awful lot from these guys out of Cubs camp that they are really pumped to get this going and to, you know, sort of have a better result than they did last year. And, you know, not to buy into that too much, but when the guys are excited and they seem to have that hunger back, I guess I do too. So uh, I made the mistake last year of kind of anticipating them to come out of the gate a lot better than they did. You know, I think I had probably predicted them to win over a hundred games. Uh, and I'll do that again. Uh, but I, I think I'm feeling a lot more confident in that this time around than last year. Yeah. And a lot of it too, is just this feeling that, well, these guys did so much last year and there's, they're so young. They're going to just going into 2017 Schwarber will take off and Russell will take off and all these. And it was like, I guess you'd say sophomore slump. I don't know. Some of them mm-hmm. were sophomores, but yeah, it was just like everyone regressed and no one expected it to happen. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. And, and you know, I know it's easy for us as Cub fans, you know, we don't want to 
come off as as being homers, but it, it, it you're right. It, it really is hard not to be excited about this team, considering that you do have guys who have so much room for growth. I think, you know, Schwarber being a key, you know, I think we all know he's better than that first half he put in. Uh, I think Addison Russell has a lot more potential in that bat that we still haven't seen yet. And, you know, a, a certain segment of, of baseball and Cubs fans maybe doesn't believe that it's ever going to come at this point, but I'm still a firm believer that that, that offensive breakout is coming for Addison. Javi Baez has some room to grow. And of course you're seeing this spring, what Ian Happ is able to, you know, put together when, you know, he's firing on all cylinders. So yeah, I think that there, there's a lot of reason to, to expect improvement uh, from this group. And this is a group that, you know, put out, they scored the most runs in the league in the second half of, of 2017. And, and, you know, like you said, you have some of these guys who hopefully are going to take that next step in their game. And it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of potential for this group and that's not even, you know, getting into the pitching staff. Well, actually, now that you say that, let's get into that pitching staff. And really like this feels like a very, the potential to be a very loaded rotation. Of course you always have to worry, but, it feels like they might even be better than 2016, which maybe that's a stretch because the 2016 rotation was so good. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely something I've been thinking about as we're sort of gearing up to this. I think it'll be tough for this group to replicate that performance, but I think on paper you might take this group, uh, you know, because of course the 2016 group has what Lackey and Hamill at the back instead of, you know, what they're looking at now. So uh, just with how good that defense was and the, the crazy sort of run that that pitching staff went on, especially in the second half of 2016, I'm not sure that they'll be able to equal that but from a a sheer talent and and name value perspective i think that this rotation has the the weapons to be more dangerous but i think that's that's the most exciting part about this team is that i think when you when you look at this pitching staff and the fact that the cubs are going to play three games against the marlins before jose quintana even steps on the mound is crazy sean yeah and the line i've been using is actually and I think it might be unfair to the, to the, these guys, but I've been using, it's like you have four number two starters mm-hmm. that all of them could be aces, but baseline you have four number two starters and then Chatwood could be a three. Right. And it's all in one. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, you know, and, and right. Tyler Chatwood, I think is, is a, a very interesting case here because he's, you know, I don't think anybody's looking to him to, you know, put up uh, Cy Young numbers or anything like that. But I think when you have a guy like that who has a lot of upside is still on, you know, the relatively young side. I believe he's 28 going into the season here. And, you know, he's got a lot of, you know, interesting pitches, uh, an interesting pitch mix that you, know, you get him out of Coors Field. You get him with Jim Hickey, with this defense, a better offense. It's it's exciting when that's your fifth starter and that's coming on the heels of four guys who have at this point a, a really you know long and successful track record of of MLB success and and I think you're exactly right that we're not really sure going into it right now who will be the the quote unquote ace or who maybe steps up as the Cy Young candidate of the group or whatever, but you've got four people who you could really easily see doing it. And I think that's uh, really exciting. But, but for me, I think I'm most excited about Jose Quintana. I I've been reading, you know, a lot of his quotes 
just about how, you know, and he doesn't mention the White Sox in this, but obviously that's who he's referring to that, you know, he's just excited to be on a team that's going to start the season competing for a division title, a pennant, a world series, what have you. And that is going to score some runs for him. He was plagued by the lack of run support with the White Sox and, I, I, for whatever reason, I, I guess it's similar to, you know, hearing the guys talk about how excited they are coming from this camp, but just hearing Quintana talk like that, I, if, if I had to pick one, I think my money's on him to be the horse that kind of separates himself from the pack. Yeah. And you know, I wanted Darvish to be on the Cubs forever. So you think I would say I'm most excited about, I think Darvish is going to have the biggest year and I really like Hendricks, but actually the guy I think is going to have a big year is Lester. Cause I think last year made him like his, and it wasn't a bad year even, but his struggles last year really made him mad. And I think when you get Lester mad, you get very good results. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, we know for sure John is not happy with how, uh, you know, some of those starts went, those those multiple outings where he was giving up 10 runs and, you know, less than two innings of work, uh, I would imagine, are, are still sticking with him. So, yeah, well, and that's, and that's the beauty of it is that, you know, not only we both can pick a different guy to be the, that kind of leader, and it's easily you can see it really easy. Right. But I think the, having the ability where, you know, you can kind of just let John Lester go out, do his thing. You would expect him to be better than last year, but you know, you don't necessarily need him to be vintage John Lester and that's totally fine. You know, you have these guys around him who, you know, maybe can, can pick up the slack or whatever. But I just think that when you have someone like Lester, you know, getting a little older, you know, maybe sort of taking a step back as far as performance where you're not really relying on him, he can just sort of do his thing, be John Lester. And, you know, the, I, I don't think the, the success of the pitching staff as a whole necessarily hinges on that. So I think that's a really beautiful thing for this team. Yeah. And I guess now we can kind of move over to the bullpen. You've got Brandon Morrow, de facto closer. He's the closer, but obviously he's not going to be a workhorse closer because he's never really thrown that many innings as a reliever. So it's going to be kind of a bullpen by committee, but with a closer, how do you feel about the bullpen? I feel pretty good about it. Um, You know, I think the, the one thing that it lacks, you know, as, as you mentioned is, you know, maybe that for sure dominant, you know, coming in and throwing up, you know, in the hundreds closer, although Morrow can, you know, touch up there as far as heat is concerned. Uh, you know, the Jansen Chapman, uh, you know, Wade Davis is of the world. Right. Uh, but I think where they, you know, maybe lack in that, I think they make up for by having a lot of really interesting depth guys in this pen. And, you know, you look at people like Carl Edwards, Pedro Strope, Steve Ciszek joining the group this year as guys who, you know, you can bring in to put out a fire in a, you know, a high leverage situation in the sixth or the seventh, or if you want to use Brandon Morrow in a different spot to put out a fire, you know, you're, you're, I think you're fairly comfortable with some of those guys getting big outs for you. And, Maybe it'll rearrange itself as the season plays out as far as who is that, you know, sort of next guy up. 
but I think you have a lot of, of really interesting options in that regard and guys who have had a lot of success. You know, I think a lot of people are going to remember Edwards in the playoffs last year and, and some of the failures that happened there. But, you know, for the the better part of his career with the Cubs, he's been a very good reliever for this team, uh, you know, limiting runs, pitching in high leverage spots and generating a lot of whiffs. So uh, but I, I you know, and then you look at someone like Justin Wilson, who has had a sort of a tale of two springs. He was. Uh, really good at the beginning of the spring, not walking anybody. I think in the first four outings that he had, uh, the back end of this spring, though, he's been getting hit a little bit more, walking some more guys. So I'm not really sure what to expect from him. But I think in addition to the guys that, you know, maybe we're a little more confident in having someone like him, who if he does look a little more like he did with Detroit in that first half of last year, like you've got a, a really deep bullpen and, you know, maybe the Cubs have to move pieces around, uh, you know, due to performance or injuries. But I, I think it's, I think it's a strong bullpen and one that however it shakes out, I think Joe Madden will have enough trustworthy arms to, get us through these games here and, and to sort of piggyback on that uh, really strong starting pitching group that they have. Yeah. And you know, I just want to, other people have beaten this drum before too, but I do just like Pedro Strope is so underrated. Mm-hmm. People never give him the credit that he deserves. Like if you look at his numbers over his career, especially with the Cubs, they've been very good the whole time. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I think this was one of the the only like real pieces that I've I've written at CubsInsider.com was about Pedro Strope and just how you know where he ranks amongst uh, relievers you know since like 2015 and he's I think way closer to the top in certain metrics than a lot of fans would expect and you know that's the life of a reliever right there it's it's sort of a thankless job people will ultimately remember uh your your you know that blown save or that blown lead i think a lot more than a month of of successful outings but that yeah and and i think when you're looking at a bullpen and and you can it's similar to the rotation in that regard where you know you can look at someone like brandon morrow carl edwards jr steve ceshek and Pedro Strope is, you know, maybe not a throw-in, but not even one of the first guys you would name. I think that speaks to the strength of this bullpen, that a guy who has, like you said, been one of the more consistent relievers in the league for this team is, you know, not necessarily one of the arms you're uh you know, I don't want to say relying on, but you know, he he doesn't have to be that second best pitcher in the bullpen. You've got a few options for that. Yeah, and it's like you were saying, with the one like I guarantee you first game Carl Edwards gets in this year, there will be people on the internet and Twitter and say, oh no, this loser again? Right. Because they're just reacting to the last time they saw him. Well, and he'll never live, you know, especially now that he's on the team, he'll never live down walking you Darvish in the playoffs. That'll be something that Carl Edwards could I probably be the best reliever in the league for the next three years, and people will still think of him as the guy that walked you Darvish in the playoffs. So, but you know, that's just how it is. I think uh, for those of us that are watching it, you know, every day and more closely, we, we know that, you know, the, that these guys are, are very effective and, and not to worry so much about them. But yeah, I, I, I'm pretty, uh, pretty confident in the bullpen. And that's also an area too, you know, if they're, if they're 
you know, coming to the deadline or whatever, feeling like, you know, this bullpen could use a little more juice. You can always try to go get that. You know, you don't always want to be giving up uh, top prospects for guys like Chapman and, and you know, uh, Andrew Miller, like the Indians did, et cetera. But if you need to add a little more depth to the bullpen, you know, that that option should be available to them if this uh, group isn't able to do it. And, you know, that's without mentioning even some of the guys who you might see join it later, uh, you know, Dylan Maples is someone that comes to mind who's got nasty stuff, and we'll see if he can find a role. You know, some other uh, top prospect type guys that the Cubs have who, you know, perhaps could end up filling a role here. So, yeah, I think overall I'm pretty confident in it. I'd love, you know, I think we got uh, a little spoiled with the way Wade Davis pitched for the Cubs last year and, you know, not blowing a save until, you know, one of his last outings against the Brewers last year. Uh, but I think in lieu of having someone who, you know, we know is basically just a, a shutdown lockdown closer, I'm pretty confident. I think I'm as confident in the bullpen as it can be, you know, absent of that. Yeah. And you also just a side note, if this rotation performs better, like especially at the start of last year, they had to lean on the bullpen very hard absolutely and if the rotation does better then hopefully they'll be more fresh at the end of the year because they were gassed by the playoffs yeah absolutely and i you know i think that that you're sort of hoping that both spots can kind of help each other out there the bullpen can you know maybe keep the the rotation fresh the rotation can keep the bullpen fresh and you know overall madden and hickey are able to sort of piece these games together uh with uh you know a really strong staff overall i think there's very few holes in this staff you know just as far as depth is concerned you know again when tyler chat was your fifth starter and you know right now like what is you know we'll see who gets that last spot you know whether it's someone like hancock simmons uh eddie butler you know but that person is basically going to be the worst member of your staff and i think when that's the case it's a pretty good spot to be in yeah so i guess we'll move on to the position players since it's kind of like a season preview so ian hap leadoff hitter Seems like he's going to be the majority of the time. Do you like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think when we went into this offseason, I, I wasn't really sure who my, you know, what my preference was just because the, the Cubs don't necessarily have that uh, stereotypical leadoff hitter. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I partially because I think it would have been funny to see the reaction, but I, uh, for most of the time, I was probably leaning Kyle Schwarber, uh, just because I think when Madden, if Madden would have announced that reading the reactions from, uh, some people seeing that he'd be going to that well again, I think would have been funny. Uh, but I think there's a lot to like in Ian Happ and, you know, look, I, the, the guy has a, you know, 1293 OPS in spring training thus far. So I, I, you know, I think if anybody was concerned, he's certainly putting together a spring that is uh, warranting him getting a shot, at least at this. Uh, and, you know, we know that he's, I think, the fastest guy on the team, if you're just going like raw speed. I think Chris might be a better base runner, but Ian is, uh, you know, maybe like raw numbers, the fastest home to first guy. Yeah, I, be- uh, I believe, um, just to interrupt you real quick, I believe StatCast had him as the fastest cub. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, you know, obviously you're not going to complain about that in the leadoff spot. Uh, he's a switch hitter. He's got pop. You know, I, it's again, without a, a stereotypical leadoff guy, you know, someone like Dexter Fowler, I, I have no problem with this choice. It'll be interesting to see 
how he adjusts to this, you know, and we've certainly seen him in the spring going up there and, you know, just looking for his pitch and getting it. Uh, you know, we saw him the other night take Felix Hernandez deep on the first pitch he saw. Uh, he's taken Bumgarner deep twice to lead off games in Cactus League play uh, this spring. So, you know, I, the, the thing to watch for, I think, will be his approach. And we saw him last year kind of be a bit of a streaky hitter, right? He would, you know, hit some home runs for a few games, and then he would have uh, some multiple strikeout games in a row. It was his rookie season, so, you know, you just kind of have to see how he comes back from that. But I, I think that'll be the key. I think as long as he's able to maintain an approach, he doesn't have to be, you know, like Dexter, where he's, you know, running seven, eight, nine pitch at bats to start every game, you know, walking all the time. You know, I think Ian is a different hitter than that. But uh, I think the key for this team is having someone in that top spot who is consistently setting the table for the bigger, you know, the bigger hitters, Brian Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, et cetera. Uh, so as long as Ian is able to do that, he might do it in, you know, perhaps a more unconventional way than we're used to. But I, you know, especially with the spring he's put in, I don't see a better option right now. And I think it's certainly worth the shot. Uh, what, what are you thinking on that? I, yeah, I actually like it too. I like Ian Happ. So yeah. I want to see him get it bad. So, but yeah, the one thing you worry about is the high strikeout rate. Obviously, you know, it was, I'm trying to remember exactly something like 30% or something. You're hoping it goes down with just being in the majors. And, you know, just after a year in the majors, it usually starts to go down, but right. yeah, and I like, you know, he's got a very high batting average early in the count. Like, I thought he hit like 400 or something on first pitches or whatever when he took swings at him. So he's going to be aggressive, but then you kind of like that sometimes, especially like start of the game, pitcher throws up a fastball. He can jump on that. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of like it. And like you said, I don't know of a better option. So Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, uh, especially, you know, someone like Contreras, someone like Schwarber, I think right now, if you can get away with it and we'll see what Hap's able to do, I think you want those guys in the middle of the order, you know, hitting behind Bryant and Rizzo and, you know, trying to sort of clean everything up and, and, you know, allow this offense to score, uh, a lot of runs early when these guys are, are getting there at bats. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see, um, how Ian does with this, but yeah, I, I think he's the guy, you know, and, uh, I don't know that Joe, you know, he's not usually particularly aggressive with the running game, but we'll see, you know, Ian's, Ian's got some speed, so it'll be interesting to see his approach and, you know, how the Cubs deploy him. Yeah. And you like, you're on board with Bryant second in the order. Yeah, I you know typically with with lineup construction, I try not to freak out about it too much. Um, you know, as long as Chris Bryant isn't hitting in the nine hole, I think I'm you know probably okay with whatever Joe is going to do. Uh, but that you know Bryant in the two hole has has worked for the Cubs a lot, so uh, I I'm okay with it to to start. I, I you know I think that's one of those things you kind of have to we'll see how it plays out, you know, see, see how Ian Happ is, is doing in the leadoff spot. And, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of hand wringing last year about Chris's RBI totals. And, you know, I, I don't want to restructure the lineup for that, but, you know, perhaps you get to a point where you wonder if you're maximizing it, but yeah, I, I think that that's work for the Cubs. 
you know, Bryant in the two, Rizzo in the four or uh, the three hitting behind him. You know, I, I think that they've had a lot of success with that. So if it's if it's not broke, uh, you know, I don't know that there's a need to fix it. And, you know, in the second half of last year, this team scored more runs than anybody. So uh, I think, uh, you know, the status quo, at least in that regard, is fine for now. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just thinking about this lineup. I was the other day. It could be like very scary. Like you start with Hap. Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, Russell, Baez, like that's a that could be a very tough lineup. Yeah, and I and I I think a lot about an interview I think Jed Hoyer gave on the score earlier this offseason where he talked about the 2017 offense, he didn't feel like they were instilling as much fear in the other team. I think especially in that first half, obviously when they end up under 500 at the all-star break. But I think that this offense is going to do that. And, you know, even the names you just mentioned, and, you know, we'll see what we get out of Baez and Russell and, uh, you know, Hayward, (laughs) I guess, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, those first four or five guys, I mean, we could be looking at a lot of games where the Cubs are up, early and this starting pitching staff is pitching with a lead pretty frequently. I mean, if you're an opposing pitcher having to go through Hap, Bryant, Rizzo, Schwarber, Contreras on a regular basis, yikes. I, I mean, that is, that is a tough lineup. It's, it's got a lot of different skill sets in there. Um, and I would be very surprised if this offense is not putting up some major numbers. Yeah. Well, now that you kind of brought it up, we get to the Hayward Yes. Dilemma, I guess we'll call it that, you know, I really think he's going to get limited his playing time limited this year, but we'll see. But it's it's just a tough spot with Hayward now. It's a very tough spot. And it's crazy that we are, you know, still having this discussion in year three now of his time with the Cubs. I, I was one of the people that was beating the drum to sign him in that off season. And when they got him, I was really excited. Uh, so I am, you know, still surprised to this day that it has worked out so poorly, uh, on the offensive end, obviously, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I never know what to expect. I, I am with you. I hope that that's the case. I hope that they are, you know, mindful of his playing time and, you know, letting guys like Hap and Elmora get more of that playing time and, and allowing them to develop and grow. But I just don't know. I, he, Joe has had such a, a rigid adherence to Jason Hayward throughout these last couple of years in my opinion, in times where it was really not appropriate to, uh, you know, just keep throwing him out there every time. And, you know, we, we break down these swings, you know, as soon as we get video from Mesa with him working out, you know, I'm in there looking and, and trying to figure out if things are different and it just isn't. I, I think the swing looks the same and, I think the mechanics look the same. So I just don't know how you could expect anything different than what we've seen. And what we've seen is a guy that you just can't, I I don't think you can have him in the lineup that often, you know, Um, in 2016, I think there was so much emphasis on defense and, you know, just shutting things down, run prevention. We'll get our runs, however we get them. And let's just make sure the other team doesn't score. But I think when you have, the potential that you were just talking about with this offense, I am just not sure how many games I'm, I'm going to be comfortable with Hayward 
uh, you know, forcing someone to the bench. I love his glove. I love his base running. You know, obviously we all know about how much of a leader he can be, but I, I think there comes a point where you got to look at how it's affecting this offense and namely how it's affecting these guys' growth. And, you know, I just don't want to see someone like Elmora or Hap or Schwarber or whoever it might be, right? You know, you could have Zobris in the outfield or Zobris in second, Baez somewhere, right? I just don't know if I want to see those guys sitting on the bench for Jason Hayward anymore. Yeah, and it might be a thing where you start to see him as like a late game defensive replacement Mm -hmm. and maybe that's the path, but yeah, it's just now I'm not, I was never like crazy about the signing at the time either, but you know, I'm, I was one of those people that I always thought, you know, defense is important, but I always thought it got overvalued in war. So I was always kind of skeptical, but I thought he'd be better than this. I was not, well, and unfortunately, you know, the, the spring hasn't been much better. I, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm looking at it now and he's got a 186 average, 250 on base, a 576 OPS in the spring. And, you know, I, you don't want to read too much into spring numbers, but when this is a guy who we've seen, you know, similar results to that over the course of two years now, it just is uh, very hard to envision that getting better. So I think, you know, you described it perfectly, calling it a dilemma. It, it's going to be very interesting to see how Joe manages that. And, you know, if I were them as a group, I would probably have, uh, you know, a raw number of games maybe and say, all right, we'll give it 15 games, 20 games, whatever it is. Let's see if anything looks different. Let's see what we're looking at. But if it's the same, then we got to kind of put our focus in other players, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, too. It's like it might also depend on how Almora looks early mm-hmm. in spring. But, yeah, you, you keep coming back to an outfielder, Schwarber, Almora, and Hap looks pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, we'll, yeah, it's the defensive drop off that big from that and i don't think it is i would be surprised if it is and and we'll see but i think especially when you have a pitching staff that is this strong i i would be very surprised if you know hayward's defensive upgrade over some of these guys is you know really moving the needle or is really worth that right you know i think in in a lot of these games you you'd take someone with a better uh, ability to drive and runs rather than you know save a couple of outs just cuz i think with this offense and this pitching staff i you know i'm just not i'm i'm not sure how much value i'm i'm really worried about their uh you know in right field especially when you have a defense that's already really good, right? It would be one thing if Jason Hayward were joining a team that was a defensive nightmare and he was sort of like, you know, picking up the slack or something. But when you've got Baez and Russell and Contreras and Bryant and Rizzo out there on a daily basis, you know, and Hap has looked to be, you know, pretty okay, you know, and obviously some room to grow since that's not his natural position in center field. El Moro, we've seen some really good things defensively, although the metrics didn't particularly care for him last year, uh, which I, you know, I'm still sort of trying to wrap my head around. But I just, yeah, I'm not sure that that Hayward's defense is, is really going to move the needle at this point. All right. Well, then I guess I will ask, who do you think, who are you feeling for offense is going to have a big year? Who's going to break out? 
Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, a breakout year, uh, if if we would call it that or not. But I, I think the guy has to be Wilson Contreras. Um, I think you know, generally, you know, Anthony Rizzo is phenomenal. Chris Bryant is phenomenal. They're going to be MVP candidates more than likely every year they step on the field. Some of the stuff that Chris Bryant does, as far as how he's cut his K rate, is mind blowing. How talented that guy is. But I think, as you know, far as someone that maybe isn't. Uh, as obvious, I, I think it's got to be Wilson Contreras. He, he, you know, a monster second half for him last year. Obviously, he, you know, limited as far as playing time is concerned with a little bit of an injury, uh, you know, that he missed, I think, a little over a month. But just his second half, you know, he had a 305 average in the second half last year, uh, a 415 weighted on base average, 157 weighted runs created, plus it's all in the second half. I just think he's on a on a path to being one of the best you know players in this league, and I, and I think that you know the the little controversy that he had, I guess, early in this off season where he said you know he envisions himself with the best catchers in this league, with the Buster Posies and the Adier Molinas. I I think that's a reality. I think it's a reality right now, but I think it's you know a concrete reality sooner rather than later. I think that this guy is you know he has the talent and we've seen him put it together and i the the fire that he plays with like this guy he doesn't want to settle for being you know a good major league player he wants to be the best and i am more than happy to you know sort of hitch my train to that wagon because i i just think he is destined to uh keep keep building on those second half numbers yeah and well you know I could literally do an hour podcast on Wilson Contreras. Right. No, if he hadn't pulled that hamstring last year, probably, well, I don't know. We probably come close to 30 home runs and it's like, and only like not even his second full year. Mm -hmm. He's just the offense part. I didn't think, you know, we, you knew about the great arm and, you know, and the, the defense, like people were saying the defense is good. And like, he was, he had a good bat, but like what he's shown so far is amazing in the majors. I mean, he's got 30 home run potential and like a 300 batting average. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, uh, I think he's underrated. He's, he's a, a good base runner. He's a, he's a fast guy. And I think people don't expect that for catchers. You know, I think for Cubs fans, we were uh, maybe a, a, a little used to the Miguel Montero and David Rosses of the world sort of uh crawling their way to first base but Wilson has all those tools you know and he's also someone who you know every postseason we watch him he's taking these big pitchers deep on the biggest stage of course I think of you know his home run off of Kershaw in game six of the NLD uh, CS in 2016 you know he was doing it again last year against the Dodgers it, the, the the stage doesn't get to him the moment doesn't get to him I, this is I think your guy if you're looking for anybody to kind of join that group with Bryant and Rizzo, as far as like, you know, the sort of monsters of this lineup, I think it's gotta be Contreras. I, I, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say I'm very much looking forward to what Kyle Schwarber can do. Obviously he's in incredible shape. Uh, He had a very good second half as well when he came back from Iowa. So very excited there, but I I think if we're picking one guy, it's gotta be Contreras. And it's, you know, it's something I try to tell people a lot too with Contreras and Schwarber, they have not played a lot. I mean, right. Contreras came up in 
June of 2016 and got, you know, some playing time, but not a lot. His first full year was last year. Schwarber played the 2015 season. Well, half the 2015 season missed all of 2016, just played his first kind of full season last year, even though he went to Iowa. So these guys have not played a lot in the majors. Yeah, I, that is a hundred percent something that gets overlooked, and I, you know, I think you mentioned it early on with these guys that there is still room for growth here. I think that you know because we've kind of heard the name Kyle Schwarber for a few years now, people sort of uh, envision him having all this experience, and and they really don't. There, there's really a lot of guys on this team who are still sort of getting their major league legs, if you will, uh, and you know definitely have room to grow. So I, I think that. You know, Schwarber is one of those guys, Baez, Russell, these guys all have uh, room to grow. So it'll be it'll be very interesting to see, you know, and even someone like Baez, you know, if he's able to change his approach a little bit, maybe work with Chili Davis, cut down on, you know, that outside the zone swing rate could be looking at a monster season for him, too. Uh, So it's 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 hard not to, I think, (laughs) come across as a little bit of a Cubs homer when you're discussing this team, because I, I just think there's there's so much good going on with this group and 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 theo in the front office have assembled quite the roster here i I think this is a a very difficult roster to find too many holes with yeah i mean like even a bias but he hit like 23 home runs last year is that um that sounds about right yeah it's like you know and we're talking about yeah you know bias can kind of get his approach better and stuff he hit 270 with like 23 home runs right and it's like, yeah, it's like, and if he gets his approach better, he could be way better. And this is like your seventh or eighth hitter in the right. lineup. Yeah, I, yeah, and you're dead on on that. 23 home runs, 273 batting average. And, you know, if he can just sort of uh, adjust on some of those breaking balls and stuff out of the zone, you're looking at a, a very talented hitter. And, you know, we'll, we'll see about that because I think, you know, sometimes his aggressiveness is one of his best attributes, you know, that he's able to, uh, you know, sort of jump on pitches and just absolutely murder them. But right, it's I think it's similar when you're looking at Tyler Chadwood and talking about how much upside potential he has. Who knows if he hits it? But when you're looking at the bottom of your rotation or the bottom of your order and still finding these things to be excited about and, and you know, uh, have some breakout potential, it's really hard not to be super excited about this team, you know, and even someone like Tommy LaStella, who is, you know, your main bench bat like that. He's a really quality bench bat. He's a guy who has really good numbers in, you know, platoon situations. And, uh, you know, obviously you're you're you're. Uh, you know, they're naming Victor Caratini, the backup catcher. We'll see what he's able to do. But, you know, he's another one who has had, uh, you know, a, a good looking bat throughout his time in the Cubs organization. And, you know, if if right now Victor Caratini is the worst guy on your offense, I, again, I think that's a really good place to be. Yeah, it is. And, you know, if something goes wrong, we always have Mike Freeman in the minors. So, who had a really good spring. He's, he's certainly not, uh, not my favorite player, but he had a really good spring. And, you know, there was a couple guys, Ryan court too, you know, mm-hmm. so somebody who, uh, you know, I don't know if they'll get a look, but the, you know, the Cubs have some, some very interesting guys, but yeah, it's, it's the, I, you know, the depth of this team, I think is, is going to be their strength and uh, it'll be, 
fascinating to watch it play out. I'm, I'm definitely ready for Thursday to to come. I think I, I've had enough, especially watching some of these guys like, you know, Bumgarner and Justin Turner get injured over, you know, the last week or so in spring training. I'm definitely ready to to turn the page and get cooking in Miami here. Yeah. And I just, I had to twist the knife one more time on Brandon. I had to. Yes. And I, I made him feel better when I talked to him last week for the podcast. I, I told him, I don't like Mike Freeman and I don't want him anywhere near the team. So, hey, if he's performing enough to get there, I, you know, I'm all for it. But yeah, I just, uh, I, I wasn't that thrilled with his performance last year. And he told me that he wanted me to bring up the name Ryan Terrio and Mike Fontenot just to mess with you when I had you on here. Yes, I was never fond of them. I, I think uh, I, I was never big on those, you know, sort of scrappy, gritty players uh, for whatever reason. So, uh, you know, and then obviously Ryan Terrio's. Uh, joining the Cardinals and, you know, his, his attitude now certainly doesn't uh, do anything in his favor for me, but yeah, those are, uh, those are bugaboos on our, on our podcast. I, I typically am not a fan of, <laughs> of them being brought up at least when uh, it's on my show, you know, but Brendan is uh, also a fan of twisting the knife. So they come up every now and again. Yes. And Brian Terrio is the worst. I'm sorry. I mean, hey, hey, you're preaching to the choir there. Decent, yeah, decent numbers, whatever, the couple years, but no. Yeah, no, I, again, I, the, the, the small gritty guys, not for me. I am more of a skills guy and uh, not, not a, not a David Eckstein fan. Let, let's put it that oh, way. Oh my God. No, he's no, that, that's one for me. I, yeah, and then David Eckstein, and then he got replaced years later by, um, Who's that guy? He's an annoying guy. Aaron Miles. Aaron Miles. And then he was the guy that's on the Diamondbacks now. Why can I not remember his name? I'm blanking on it. Yeah, he had a home run last year. Discalzo. Ah, yes. Yes, those... They they're always of, there yeah they seem to be uh sometimes carbon copies of one another but the, those those guys always find their way you know so I'm, I'm glad right now that the cubs don't seem to have any of those players all right well i will get out of here on this one i've noticed on twitter lately you're a michigan fan yes sir alum and a lot of people feel good story of the year loyola chicago a lot of the people on cubs twitter of course really going for Loyola Chicago. And now they play Michigan in the final four. So I'm giving you a platform to trash talk all the Loyola fans listening. Well, you know, look, I, I, I don't set out to rain on anybody's parade, but uh, you know, as an alumni of the university of Michigan, I, I have to support my school. Uh, and you know, look, I, Hey, I love a good feel good story. I love a good Cinderella story. Uh, but as I, you know, was saying on Twitter, you know, yesterday and today, I am more than happy to play the villain here. I, I, I love being the bad guy. Uh, I tend to, you know, when I, as a, as a wrestling fan as well, I tend to prefer the bad guys there too. So, uh, I have no issue <laughs> being the villain. It's an interesting spot though, because basically my entire Twitter feed is people who have, you know, sort of joined in on, on supporting, uh, sister Jean and Loyola, but we'll see. Uh, they, they're a very good team. I think the, the, the one thing I would say in lieu of trash talk is that there are, you know, I think some people who maybe will look at it and think that Michigan is getting an easy route 
because they're playing uh, an 11 seed or whatever. And that is far from the case. This Loyola team is clearly a very good basketball team. Uh, and it will be a, a very interesting game. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, am, I am more than happy to uh, have Michigan sort of end that uh, fun time everybody's having in Chicago. Yeah. You know, I have an interesting fandom for college uh, basketball. I, for my, I have relatives that live in Boston, so I like Boston college, but also being in Montana, being Montana, I like the Grizzlies. So mm-hmm. Michigan started out by beating the Grizzlies in the first round. So, so you're on the Loyola train, I assume. Uh, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't really mind Michigan and the, and the Grizzlies couldn't hit a shot that whole game. So yeah, it was, it was pathetic. So, but yeah, well, it'll be interesting. And you know, Feel good stories got to usually end sometime. So that's what I'm saying, man. Anyway, um, thank you for coming on. Absolutely, and, man. Thank you for having me. And hopefully, the we can get through these next couple spring training games in Florida and just get to the season and let's get this going. Absolutely, man. John Lester on the mound, opening day, nothing better. That's right. Thank you. Next up is. Mike Banghart for his third appearance on the podcast, the first three-timer. Uh, we just do more season preview discussion. Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. Welcome again, I guess. So I'll just start with this. How do you feel about the Cubs going into this season? Um, you know, it's it's kind of been uh, a range of emotions here. Um, you know, with the really, really late adding of, of you Darvish, um, it's, it's hard not to, not to really like where the Cubs are at again. Um, you know, and there's, there's a lot of positive signs, you know, from guys, um, you know, hoping for a bounce back, you know, Schwarber and, and well, Ian Happ, you know, look like they're, they're knocking the cover off the ball. So, uh, it's, it's pretty hard not to not to feel like you got a team that's going to win another division title, uh, you know, be in the postseason, and you know have a you know have a solid shot against the top teams in the NL. Um, I'm not terribly sure how well they stack up against the top teams in the AL, but you know you get to a seven game series, and uh, you know you, you see what happens. Yeah, that would be a good problem to have, to have to worry about your American League matchups and the potential World Series. So, Yeah, yeah, you certainly would take that in a year. Um, you know, uh, it'd be, you know, we're, we're at the point now where the discussion is, is you know, it, it, it's disappointing if they don't win another one, but it's, it's hard to feel, hard to feel too bad uh, about the, the window of success here. You're kind of yeah. playing house money here at this point. Yeah, it's almost greedy. You think like, but it's such a good team. Like on paper, you you should be greedy. But we're you know, went so long without winning that you're like, should we be? But it's should they should be good. Well, I mean, I, again, I mean, even just because they they managed to do it, you know, so so early on in this window. If if you know, we're still sitting here talking just about 2016. You know, after you know, twenty twenty one. I mean, again, it's it's going to be hard not to be a little bit disappointed. But, um, but you know, like I said, you know, it's it's uh, 
know, you've you've got one in the bank, so it doesn't. Uh, it's hard to be again too upset about that scenario, and ideally, um, we won't have to have that hypothetical discussion because uh, they will, in fact. Uh, get back to that sort of level of play that seemed to be missing for most of 2017, uh, where you just had this this absolute confidence in in this team to, you know, steamroll through the National League. So, um, you know, they certainly look far more that part now than um, than I think at any point they did in uh, 2017. Yeah, and. I was kind of bringing this up with my other guest, um, Corey Friedman, that I talked to before. Um, yeah, they had a lot of guys that underperformed last year that, I don't know, you call it sophomore slump or they just came out of the gate slow. And, like, you think even if they come back to what you expect from them, this team should be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, you know, there's certainly easy places to point for um, you know, where, where you can expect improvement here. Um, you know, you, you, you hope, uh, you, you hope to see, um, you know, more out of Kyle Schwarber. It'd be nice if, if Jason Hayward suddenly could become, you know, the guy that, you know, he was from, you know, age 20 to 25. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, a lot of other things. I mean, that you can point to, I mean, Chris Bryant, you know, didn't have a bad year by any means. In fact, you know, in a lot of ways, his offensive numbers were, were on par or better than his MVP year, but you know, the power numbers were down. So if you could, uh, combined that success, um, the contact rate and, and the, you know, hitting for average and such that he showed in 2017 with hitting, you know, 40, you know, 45 home runs. I mean, there are a lot of places where you can see, you know, positives here. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, uh, another guy, you know, Jose Quintana, you know, there, you Darvish himself. I mean, there's all sorts of places where, where you could see this team, you know, really being a monster. Um, that said, you know, they, they actually have to go out and do it. Yeah, exactly. As the saying goes, baseball could baseball. Yeah. No, that's certainly, you know, you certainly had that feeling uh, of that happening to uh, the Cubs last year. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's something where, you know, you, you're hard-pressed to really find a, a major flaw with this bunch of, of, of players here. You're... you're you're looking at a pretty talented uh, group, and uh, you know you uh, you really you're really uh, you know I think the you know the the only things that you know really feel like you know could derail this thing are you know injuries, uh, particularly in the the starting staff, just because they don't have. You know, depth to really weather not having, uh, uh, you know, uh, those guys that we mentioned, Quintana, Hendricks, or, or Darvish Lester. Um, but beyond that, you know, you you think that they've got enough depth to, 
to take care of any issues. Um, you know, they, they gave themselves a lot of, uh, of coverage, um, in terms of the lineup, um, with the young players that they've got, you know, they've got right now too many, you know, potentially good players for, for too few spots. And, um, you know, they've got three or four guys who, who could potentially be a closer, um, in the bullpen. So you feel like they've got, they've got uh, enough to cover themselves. Um, if baseball does indeed baseball, but, um, you know, it, it's, you don't know until you play 162. You Darvish. I know you love you Darvish. So I, I want to let you get a little chance to talk about it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, there's a lot to, to like about you. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, um, that is so, so difficult about him is just the, the sheer number of pitches that he, that he has, um, you know, coming back from, from injury, you know, the Dodgers and such really wanted him to simplify. Like, uh, he really, he didn't throw a ton of his, of his curveballs. Um, he was mainly, you know, sort of fastball slider, um, but it seems likely that, uh, you know, sort of the, uh, the training wheels, you know, might be off here and you might have him back to where he's got, you know, really, you know, six different pitches that he can throw at you. Um, the velocity has been good. In fact, the, the velocity was, was actually up last year, relatively speaking. Um, and, you know, as we've, there's been talked a lot about in, uh, online here and you see the various uh, gifts of him doing it uh, the the Kershaw hesitation move that you know he's thrown into his delivery just adds another wrinkle that should just make that really um, you know could potentially have him back to the levels he was at when he first came over. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, I got, I got asked earlier today for sort of bold predictions and, uh, you know, for just one bold prediction. And my one bold prediction was that the Cubs would have three starting pitchers with a sub three ERA this year. And you Darvish was certainly one of those three in my head when, uh, when I made that prediction. Um, who are the other two? Um, if you, if I had to say right now, I'd go Hendricks and Lester. I, I feel like Lester's got to bounce back in him. Uh, I think, you know, father time is undefeated and, and eventually he's going to get Lester, but, uh, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, that he's got one more special season in him, but, uh, I didn't name him in, in my earlier prediction just to give myself some leeway. So if maybe, uh, Quintana can, can pull, pull it back together and, and post a season like, uh, like he has, uh, with the white Sox in years past. Yeah. Uh, my theory is the angry Lester. That's what I'm going with this year. That Lester is very upset about his struggles last year and he's going to come out very upset and gearing to go and have a big year. I don't know if it's going to be right, but no, I, I like it, and and he's certainly the, the the type of guy that I could see uh, feeling that way. Um, you know, 
and, you know, wanting to do that, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, we'll have to, we'll have to see, uh, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, we will get a, uh, you know, a, a re, reinvigorated uh, John Lester this year. Yeah, and of course, the other thing, which is an upgrade that I think should be noted, is, you know, replacing John Lackey with Tyler Chatwood should be an upgrade, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly you know, impressed, um, you know, Tyler Chatwood wasn't like one of the guys that, you know, I particularly was, Oh my God, the Cubs really got to go out and get this guy. But, uh, I'm not really paid for my thoughts on baseball as opposed to, uh, Theo Epstein and, uh, Jed Hoyer and Jason McLeod. Um, and they, you know, clearly made a priority of getting Tyler Chatwood. They, they see something, um, that can be, that can be unleashed here. And so um, the potential is certainly there for a, a better performance than what uh, John Lackey gave you last year. Um, you know, it's one thing I always worry about and something that um, I don't think gets talked enough about with starting pitching is just, you know, being able to take the ball and, and go, uh, you know, five, six innings, you know, every fifth day. And that's something that we really haven't seen from Tyler Chatwood yet. Uh, but like I said, the, the people who, who know far more about me um, seem excited about getting Tyler Chatwood out of cores and uh, giving him a chance to, to pitch uh, in front of a, a, what should be a very good def- uh, you know, defense uh, you know, a couple questions maybe in the outfield, but um, should be, you know, should give Tyler Chatwood uh, every opportunity to be very successful next year. Yeah, and I was a little unsure about Chatwood too, but I was thinking about when the Cubs signed um, Jason Hamill, I had similar feelings. Like, is this guy that good? I mean, I saw him pitch in person for the Rockies and he never seemed that impressive to me. And yet he, they got a lot out of him for the Cubs. So I don't know. Maybe they know, see the similar thing with Chatwood. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's certainly, it's certainly a possibility. Um, I, you know, they, they, like I said, I mean, they, they moved very, very early. They were very aggressive. I mean, Tyler Chatwood was like the first and only got only starting pitcher to get a multi-year deal uh, for a very long time, uh, and unless you're going to count Mike Miner in there. Um, but I mean, it was like Mike Miner and Tyler Chatwood were like the only multi-year deal practically till what Christmas after Christmas. Uh, no, it was after Christmas, you know. So. Um, you know, it was, you know, the Cubs clearly saw something that they liked and, um, you know, I will defer to their judgment. Yeah. They've earned that at least for a little while longer, I guess. Yeah, no, they, they, they certainly have, have done well, um, in the, in the reclamation of pitchers, the, uh, post hype, uh, 
you know, uh, you know, starters that they've, they've had quite a lot of success, uh, in that area. Yeah. So I guess now we can move on a little bit to the bullpen. Um, a couple guys in the bullpen that, you know, got a lot of criticism last year and, you know, at least for Justin Wilson, it was justified, but, um, you know, Justin Wilson, Carl Edwards, they got a lot of flack, but I'm hoping they're going to bounce back from, and I mean, they weren't like Edwards was not that bad. The playoffs, obviously not great, but do you think the bullpen will be, I think it'll be good. What do you think? Oh, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I feel good about, about the bullpen right now. Um, you know, there's, the main thing that, you know, is sort of worrisome to me isn't so much uh, performance of any of the guys from last year. I mean, Justin Wilson, uh, we got to see, you know, good Justin Wilson. But um, he has had those types of issues where where his command leaves him and, um, you know, and then he's bounced back and had you know, some really good years. So um, I'm not really going to write off Justin Wilson. Honestly, my main concern in the bullpen is just the amount of, of wear and tear on Brandon Morrow's arm. Um, he was really good last year for the, for the Dodgers. And we saw just how good, um, you know, pretty, pretty clearly. Um, I'm, you know, the, the deal with, with uh, Justin, I mean, Brandon Morrow, I should say, you know, for a very long time has just been, you know, the health of that arm. And so, uh, you know, if that if that's good, I feel like everything else kind of falls into, into place. Um, you know, Carl Edwards, as you said, I mean, we, we talk about the playoffs. Um, you know, he had brilliant performances, and then, you know, he had performances where, where he lost it. And that's kind of been the deal with Carl Edwards um, for the past year, year and a half. And really where um, you see those flashes of that, that impact, you know, electric, you know, um, special. Reliever. And then there are other times where, you know, he's where he just, he doesn't have it. And um, you know, him finding that consistency, uh, is going to be the difference between um, him being that sort of uh, impact elite reliever and just a very good reliever. The nice thing is, is that the Cubs have two very reliable veterans to, to back that up uh, with Steve Sishak and uh, Pedro Strobe. Um, Strobe, um, he's you know really underappreciated. Just you know how good and consistently good he's been since the Cubs got him from Baltimore. Uh, he was another guy who sort of had this, uh, you know, up and down career, you know, career of, you know, being really good, you know, um, you know, slam the door reliever and then, you know, just not able to throw strike consistently. But, you know, since he's been here, he's been, um, you know, a very reliable uh, you know, high leverage reliever. Um, and so they've got guys that, you know, that will, you know, they've got enough depth that while relievers uh, have volatility 
I feel like, you know, I'm not terribly worried about that. Um, and then they've got some interesting guys in the minors there. And that's, and I'm all, you know, we talked about Justin Wilson. We haven't mentioned anything about the, uh, the other two lefties in the bullpen, you know, Mike Montgomery and Brian Dunsing, um, you know, who again, aren't maybe spectacular, aren't maybe like those, those impact guys like, uh, Morrow or, or Edwards or Strope but are very solid. And again, if you're counting on Brian Dunsing as your, you know, sixth or seventh guy out of the bullpen, I think you're, you're going to be pretty happy with what you get um, from that group. Yeah. And, you know, they've got, I talked to you a little bit about before we started getting into the part that will probably be left on the cutting room floor of this, but about the last spot in the bullpen. And, you know, it looks like Eddie Butler, but I'm not sure. Do you have an idea? What do you think? You know, I mean, Eddie Butler was kind of uh, the guy that I thought was going to get it just because of the, of the roster situation that um, we're talking about the eighth guy in the bullpen, the 13th pitcher. Um, so a guy who's probably not going to be pitching too many uh, important innings, you know, regardless of who he is. Um, it seemed likely that the Cubs would favor the guy that has to stay on the roster. Um, you know, Eddie Butler is, uh, is out of options. As we all know, um, he can throw the ball hard, but he doesn't seem to know where, where it's going and he doesn't miss enough bats. The thing that, that drove me nuts. And I think, you know, pretty much everyone else seemed like consistently he'd get guys to, to two strikes and just never is able to put guys away. And then eventually he makes a mistake either, you know, he loses the zone and walks a guy or, you know, he leaves a fat pitch that guys are able to hit hard. And so, and that's been the story with Eddie Butler for, for quite a while. So, um, he's got the, uh, of, you know, a prospect pedigree. Um, he's got a name that is familiar and that, that might be uh, of a higher status than, than what his actual value as a baseball player is right now. So, and you know, another guy they picked up from the Rockies, they must think like doing that course field, you know, well, pull them out of course field and see what they can do. You know, that's yeah. Well, he, uh, Butler wasn't the first guy either. I mean, they, they tried with Rex brothers there. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, something where, where they feel like, yeah, I mean, that you may get them away from there and, and maybe you might have something. Unfortunately with Eddie Butler, we really haven't seen it. And what has been a nice surprise here is, is that the Cubs have actually had you know, some, a few surprise performances, you know, Anthony Bass there, um, has looked really solid. And, and the guy that I think a lot of people have been talking about, uh, Justin Hancock there, who's also throws hard and, and actually seems to have some idea of where the ball's going. Um, you know, the, the only issue is, is that, you know, you can send both of those guys to Iowa and when an inevitable injury pops up. And so Mike Montgomery might have to swing into the rotation or a reliever goes down. You now still have Eddie Butler to soak up some innings. Um, and, you now uh, can bring in this guy who can 
uh, yo-yo back and forth between Chicago and Iowa as needed. But, um, again, if he's not very good, I mean, I'm talking about Eddie Butler here, you know, it, it might make more sense to, to make that decision now. Um, so I, I really, uh, I'm at a loss for, for what the decision is going to be. Uh, if it's Eddie Butler, it is almost certainly entirely based on the fact that the Cubs feel they're, they're better off giving him one more shot before they potentially lose him uh, than versus him truly earning that spot because Hancock and Bass certainly have looked more impressive this spring. Yep. Or, of course, they could always just sign Greg Holland. Yeah, yeah, there there always is that option. I mean, it's such a weird offseason here where, um, you know, true impact players, you know, are, are being signed, you know, not just one guy. Because you know, we, you know, throughout this era of the qualifying offer, it always seemed like there would be this one, you know, free agent for whatever reason was completely undervalued by the market. You know, Dexter Fowler had that happen to him, you know, Nelson Cruz. Uh, but now, you know, this year it was, you know, 10 guys that are, you know, that really could, you know, change the course of, of a franchise, you know, for. 2018 are available and you know as of right now yeah the Cubs could go out and they could get Greg Holland and and put together a Super Bowl pin um it's that's not going to happen uh and there's probably a legitimate argument to be had about uh about whether or not that that should be the case I guess yeah well I guess we can move on from the bullpen now I'll just ask you like who are you really feeling is going to have a big year offensively for the Cubs? Yeah, uh, you know, that's, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Anthony Rizzo, you know, you can always pencil in, you know, for his numbers. And, and those are, those are solid numbers. I mean, he's going to hit, you know, your 30 home runs. He's, he's going to get on base at a high rate, you know, above probably 350, you know, 350 or more, uh, you know, you, you know, but you, you expect that, you know, <laughs> so it's a big year, but you know, it, it's there, uh, you know, Ian Happ, it, it's really hard to ignore. He's had a, a really, a really solid spring, but he had a really solid spring last year and he does seem to have a tendency to run, you know, sort of hot and cold. So you, so while he looks really good right now, it's, it's hard to, hard to know if he's going to put it all the way together and if he's going to have a truly breakout year where he's hitting, you know, 30, you know, 35 home runs while hitting, you know, 270, 280, you know, and, and being that impact guy. Um, I'm just trying to run down the list here. Um, you know, I mean, and you know, Schwarber, I mean, Schwarber, you know, probably is going to hit, you know, you would hope is going to be a lot better, you know, though, I mean, and again, it, it might be, it might be kind of a lame answer here. Cause, but I mean, Wilson Contreras, I think, you know, I think there, there's another level there. And I think that's gonna, that's, we're going to see that this year. Um, you know, his, the year he came up, he was, super hot 
uh, and then kind of struggled. And so he ended up with like a, a low 800, you know, OPS, um, you know, at last year, uh, you know, he got off to kind of a slow start and then, you know, really took off. And so by the end of the year, again, it was in that sort of 830, 840 OPS range. I think this is the year where you finally see him, um, you know, put together that full season uh, as a, a middle of the order uh, impact bat. And so uh, I'm kind of looking forward to this, this mix that they've got at the top of the lineup where it seems like we're going to see probably, you know, I would think, you know, Hap, Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, and Schwarber as sort of your, your top five. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think Contreras in the heart of that, I think we might see something special this year. Yeah, and if you just think about, I would think about this, the power potential for this lineup is off the charts. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, yeah, just go through the like cap, what, 23 home runs last year, uh, Bryant, 30, Rizzo, 30, Schwarber, 30, Contreras could easily hit 30, even Russell. I mean, Baez hit 23 home runs last year. I yeah. mean, from top to bottom, the power is crazy. Right. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, you know, basically the only guy, you know, who's going to maybe get regular playing time, who's probably not uh, an easy sort of 20 home run threat is, you know, Jason Hayward, um, you know, and, you know, if he, if it morphs into some sort of almost platoon with Albert Elmora, you know, maybe between the two of them, you get to, to 20, 25 home runs, but yeah, just about everyone else. I mean, you're, if you're talking more, you know, while they've, you know, may have only hit 20 home runs. I mean, I think you could, you know, it's not a, an exaggeration to say, you know, 30 is a possibility. I think from, you know, any one of those guys, um, you know, and you know, you're probably talking more like 40 when you get into guys like Bryant, Rizzo, Schwarber, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, you're talking about a, a team with just, you know, ridiculous power up and down the lineup. Um, and it's just, you know, like I said, it, the potential for, you know, monster, you know, nightmare for opposing pitcher, you know, type of gear from this, this group. I mean, it, it's certainly there. Yeah, and I guess I'll just close on just about Schwarber. Should we be excited? I mean, I wrote an article for Cubs Den about how he should be primed for a big year, but you get nervous about it. But you got to feel good, especially with his spring training this year. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, he's a guy, you know, um, sort of like Bryant, where, you know, he flew through the system and you really wonder, you know, how much adversity, you know, he's really ever had to deal with as a baseball player. Um, you know, he's, he was, you know, basically superhuman. I mean, he, he flew through the system, uh, you know, absolutely crushing it. Um, he gets hurt, uh, you know, is supposed to be done for the whole year, comes back, you know, World Series hero. Uh, with not playing the whole year and then 
the the next year uh, the bottom falls off out and he's you know he's uh, one of the you know sort of worst hitters in baseball for a month. Um, I'm not sure what good Kyle Schwarber looks like. I, I don't know if he's if he's the the type of hitter that will make enough consistent contact to hit for a high enough average. But I definitely feel like, you know, we're back to where, you know, Kyle Schwarber as a guy who, you know, maybe hits 250, 260, uh, gets on base, you know, 350, 360, and then just you know, hits the tar out of the ball, um, you know, for 40 home runs. That that certainly seems way more, way more plausible today than it did, say, you know, five, six months ago. Yeah, and if you think about it, too, I mean, how he was drafted when? 14? Yeah. I want to say? Uh, no, I think it was... Yeah, it would be 14 because Bryant was 13. Now Moore was 12, 13, 14. Yeah, it was 14. Yeah, so he gets drafted in 2014, gets, you know, a brief amount of playing time in the 2014 season. Then he starts his first full year in the minors in 2015, just shoots right through the system. By July, he's playing on the Cubs. Was only supposed to be a short, but he just came in red hot. So yeah. they left him on the team. Like he had less than a full year of professional baseball and he was already in the majors. Right. So and, yeah, forced, forced the issue. Then, you know, him and, and Soler both, you know, were, were monsters, you know, through the, uh, through the wild card and, uh, the national league division series. Um, you know, no, no cub exactly hit during the, the national league championship series in, in 2015. Uh, but you know, he, you know, again, yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, you have to wonder, you know, how much, you know, uh, adversity he really had to face, you know, as a, you know, in the, in the batter's box as a hitter, you know, at any level, because, um, you know, uh, I mean, he dealt with the injury and, and, you know, no one questions, uh, you know, Kyle's work ethic. It's just, uh, you know, again, it's what, uh, what, you know, it's, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, what are we going to see from him, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, most players hit a wall in their development. It happens almost to everyone. And usually it's in the minors. It's in like low A or, you know, A ball and you get, a slump like, you know, like Elmore is a good example. He had to go to double A for a second year to finally get clicked in. And like Schwarber didn't hit that till he was in the majors. And sometimes I don't think people appreciate that. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it was just, I mean, the Cubs had just such a run of guys, you know, who came up and, you know, were quality major leaguers, you know, right from the beginning. I mean, you know, the, the way Chris Bryant, you know, basically struggled for, you know, a game. He looked foolish, you know, in game one against, you know, James Shields, uh, you know, a good James Shields, you know, and that change up. And then uh, basically ever since then has terrorized the National League. It, it really isn't that easy. So, uh, you know, it's it's been 
uh, I think, hard on some of these, you know, Cubs players as they've come up because, uh, you know, it's just it really isn't supposed to be, you know, sort of that easy <laughs> to come up and succeed against big league hitters. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things. It's like, well, Chris Bryant, it's, yeah, we're talking about humans here. Right. So, yeah, what was his strikeout rate last year? Nineteen percent. It's like right. Yeah, I mean that was the one thing that was the the, the one you know sort of flaw in his game. Uh, you know, was the the you know high high amount of swing and miss in his game, and he's you know completely worked and and you know he's made himself into sort of you know about what league average, maybe slightly better than league average in terms of making contact. So, uh, you know, he is, he is a ridiculously good baseball player that, um, hopefully we, uh, will see here for much longer than just through 2021. No, he doesn't want to leave Bryce Harper alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, as much, I really, I dream as much about the next as, as the next person about, you know, Bryce Harper being in this lineup here, uh, starting in 2019. But, uh, even if the Cubs do pull this off, um, I've been saying it since the beginning, but I just, I, I, you know, I guarantee that, you know, not only are is Manny Machado and Bryce Harper going to get huge money, there's going to be one or more opt-outs in their probably, you know, 10-year deals worth, you know, $300 million or something, you know, ridiculous. Uh, when I, you know, with Bryce Harper, I mean, you know it's going to be timed up. At least one of them would be timed up with that 2021 because uh, that would put him, you know, at 29 to re-enter the market and, you know, Bryant and Harper will both get a chance to to re-enter to re-enter or enter the free agent market, um, and yeah, then it's going to cost the Cubs a lot of money to keep that together. Hopefully, hopefully we do that. Yeah, but at this point, you know, I don't. You don't. Bryce Harper is great, and obviously you want him. But if they didn't get him, it's not like it's the end of the world. No, you've got you've got a core of, of players that is going to keep you competitive um, through that twenty twenty one window, um, you know. And then after that, you know, sort of all bets are off. I mean, you're going to have to spend a lot of money to keep uh, who you want here, um, and then you're going to have to fill in around that. And there's way too many things that are going to change between now and then to know what is happening. So for now it's about 2018 and the fact that the Cubs have a team that should win the national league central for a third year in a row. Um, it would be a disaster if they didn't. Um, and then you know, we should be talking about a fourth trip to the postseason in a row. Uh, something I don't think, uh, anyone uh, anyone living has ever seen. Um, actually, I'm not sure that that has happened. No, actually, it has um, not happened in Cubs playoff history. Yeah, because it was they went four of five from uh, yeah, no 1909. Right. Yeah, they and, did not make in 1909, and they didn't make it in 1905. So, so yeah, it's something that would has never happened in in team history. So. 
Yeah, well, that's a pretty good place to end it then. All right. Yeah, if they don't win the Central, the season's a disaster. And I think I agree with you on that. So. I mean, I, I mean, it's not a, it's not always a, a fair expectation, but I mean, that's that's where we're at, and that's what we were promised at, at the start of this, you know, rebuild. Here is is the, you know, a period of sustained success, and I don't know how you can look at the roster and look at the rest of the division and, and not feel like, you know, it, it that you know the Cubs have to do more than just show up. But they should, at the end of the day, win this division. That they are the most talented team on paper, and that a lot has to go wrong for that not to happen. Yes, if everyone meets close to expectations, it should be they should win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're you're talking, you know, Bryant Rizzo, serious injury, you know, uh, you know, starting starting pitching you know, multiple starting pitchers going down like the Giants are dealing with right now. I mean, it's, it would take a lot. And uh, I'm going to shut up about it before I, I increase the, the likelihood of any of that stuff happening. Yeah, Don't put it out in the universe. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. And, uh, thank you for having me as always. Yep. And let's get this season started already. Indeed. <laughs> Well, before we go, what you've all been waiting for, well, you probably haven't been, my own predictions, and I'm going to stick pretty close to the ones I wrote in my article for Cubs Den. Uh, I'm seeing 98 wins, because I don't think they'll get to 100. I think the Brewers and Cardinals are just feisty enough to keep the Cubs down. I think they do win the NL Central, and get to back back to a face-up with the Dodgers in the NLCS, I think. And, you know, I'm just, I'm naturally a very, you know, reserved when I make my prediction. So I'm picking the Dodgers to win over the Cubs. But they could easily win. It's going to be a very close series. But, you know, I got to go with my natural caution and pick the Dodgers. So now... I know you. some of you might be angry at me for not picking the Cubs, but if you're not that angry, there will be more podcasts throughout the year during the season. I'm going to try to do at least two a month, depending on, you know, what happens. If there's some kind of big news, I will do a podcast, of course, right away. But I'm going to try to do these twice a month. And just everyone, let's get into the season. It's finally here. Go Cubs.